Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel and recommend the 10 comics you should be picking up this new comic book day. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And I have nothing clever to say this week, so. No, we actually did an intro because, <laughs> drumroll please, for today's episode, we have a very special returning guest. We have the man of the hour. Ready to bare knuckle box, Erica Zana <laughs> from the Geek Explain podcast to talk about Batman Zero Year. Hey, Eric. Hey, you gave me that intro, and I'm like, should I have like theme music? Should I go <laughs> like get something? Should I get my gloves? Exactly. Gotta go check in with my boy Ted Grant. <laughs> How you been, man? I've been good. Thanks for having me back on. It's been a little bit. It has. I logged on to Skype.com because that's how old I am. And it said seven months ago was the last time you were on this show. Seven that's months. Really been that long? Seven months since we did that <laughs> Superman episode. And didn't even exist back then. <laughs> Wasn't even a twinkle. <laughs> Wasn't even a twinkle in the podcast's eye. I was not canon yet. They hadn't created me. My first appearance was still a ways off. Earth 2. We're still on Earth 2. Exactly. She... She is like Dinah Lance. Where it's like, <laughs> Wait a second, you're complicated. That's okay. I'm like, I'm like Jay Garrick. They they taught out the old man anytime they need him for something, and then they're like, "All right, now go back to the home, Grandpa. We'll see you later. See you again next time." There's a crossover. Alexis is Wally West, where she's everyone's favorite, Easily. but she hasn't done anything significant in five years. Do I ever need to? No. <laughs> I'm just that here Flash to comic fight. is actually very good right now. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I just... Ah, too many good comics coming out. DC secretly started making good comics like six months mm -hmm. ago, and I still haven't caught up. I picked up Swamp Thing to get caught up, and I was like, wait a, wait a gosh darn second. When was this allowed to get good? <laughs> they, it, it snuck up on everybody. They were like, okay, we're not going to tell anybody it's good. We're just going to put them out there and let them decide. Exactly. I was like, every single day, people are mad at you, and you have books that are this good. And you're like, eh, just let them keep screaming about Robins. They'll figure out that we have good books, too. I'm going to fight Ooh. you. No, no. <laughs> Eric, as soon as you're done, Dallas is mine. I get the leftovers. This is just the beat-up Dallas episode. This is just, and I get a chair. I get the chair. Okay. <laughs> start okay, with the chair, and then I move up from there. What's past? Jeez, I take a week off, and everybody is just hating Dallas. I'm Jeez. putting the list down. We'll put him through a table. <laughs> I'm coming out dressed like Nacho Libre. I saw someone put Nacho Libre on their list of their favorite superhero movies the other day, and I have been laying on my back staring at the ceiling since. Like, <laughs> is Nacho Libre a superhero movie? Yes. <laughs> Is that something I have to consider? Or did they just see that he had a cape? And we're like, that's a superhero movie for sure. Because I think it might be a superhero movie, everyone. It's the origin story of Nacho Libre. Superheroes do love their origin stories. You know, there is actually a superhero pro wrestler, or there was. No way. He's called The Hurricane. That's a good and name. And his gimmick was that he believed that he had super strength. And he did not. <laughs> and he did not. So you see, he he's like, 
he's like easily like 5'10", 5'11", and he'd run up on guys who were like 6'5", and he'd go to like chokeslam them, right? He'd just like grab them, and then he'd try to lift them, and it just didn't work anytime. But he would go, his whole pose was like, he'd do like the Batman, like Kate pose. Incredible. That's the best wrestlers in the world. Okay, so quick, quick note. Um, Nacho Libre, Jack Black says that Nacho Libre is like a superhero and, quote, would be an awesome addition to the Avengers. So take that for what you will. (laughs) Frankly, I agree. Eagle powers. Yes. I mean, Jack Black has been cosplaying as the Avengers for the past, like, year and a half, right? (laughs) The video of him as Thor running around is so good. Um, There's an official word on that. I think he's got it. I, yeah, someone get Kevin on the phone. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Feig, hello. Mr. Feige. I call him Kev. Kev, Kevbot for short. Kev. I hope to get that familiar with him one day. <laughs> Kev, my boy. Uh, Eric Kev for Wolverine, Kev. Get Kev on the phone for Eric for Wolverine. <laughs> I want to get that familiar with him too because it means he's probably paying me a lot. <laughs> so. uh, I actually heard he'll cut you a $5,000 check, but that's all. Just if you're friends, though. Just, just if you're friends. Just it's, it's the Kev allowance. The Kev allowance. He pays people in uh, baseball caps and five thousand dollar <laughs> checks to be his friend. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm down. I mean, you don't have to tell me twice. Uh, I'm all Did we just make Kevin Feige a sugar daddy? Is that what just yeah. happened? Someone. <laughs> he's been a sugar daddy for all the Marvel kids. <laughs> sugar daddy Kev. Sugar Daddy Kev. He's got that on a hat at home, though. He does. It's got his wall of baseball cap. <laughs> exactly. He's like, no one knows I don't have hair. <laughs> every day. He has like millions of long boxes, but they're all just for hats. Exactly. Not a comic at him. Not a single one. But Sugar Daddy Kev is written in rhinestones. And it's on a trucker hat with the net back. Yes. Has to be the net back. Exactly. Um. We've really let this get away from us. Yeah, I was going to say, what are we even talking about this week? We're talking about Batman, and the segue to Batman is that, much like pro wrestling, I was introduced to Batman through an action figure given to me on Christmas when I was four years old. (laughs) My dad forgot that it was Christmas, went to the dollar store, showed up with like 40 toys, one of which was Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I still remember that guy. A Batman toy, a Zorro toy, and the Men in Black giant bug alien. And really, that is the short story for how we got to this podcast today. <laughs> well, you basically got the the booster pack for nerd stuff. So I really did. He said, this will firmly put you as a heterosexual nerd. Here are some very buff boy toys to yeah, play he's with. I'm still confused about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's still confused how it happened. And he's like, yeah, he's like, how'd my kid turn out a nerd? Anyway, here's a bunch of action figures. He-Man was the next year, but that's a different story for a different day. Because today we're talking about Batman, everybody. Mm -hmm. Anne's favorite superhero. Alexis' favorite superhero. And Eric and I actually like Batman, so you two can pull (laughs) down sand. Wait a second, I was told specifically that batman was ann's favorite superhero was i lied to someone lied to you someone's <laughs> someone out there's a bitch and i'm Someone gonna talk to them <laughs> and that person is ann banana man who lies and does like batman yes 
It was me the whole time. (laughs) So before we hop into this Batman origin story, do we all want to tell our Batman origin story a little bit? (sighs) Do you want to go first and size a lot? (laughs) (laughs) That's this is my whole this the whole arc for this episode is just me sighing less and less as the episode goes on. (laughs) My Batman origin story the first time i ever saw batman my dad was watching the um the um why am i blanking on the most famous the tim burton movie it's a fake fan everyone i forgot tim burton's (laughs) name don't tell anyone don't cut this cut all of this um i was watching that movie and i asked my dad like so did he get bitten by a radioactive bat or what's the deal here and he's like no he's just a guy i'm like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I watched the movie. I'm like, okay, this is okay. And Batman was just kind of like a passing interest for several years after that until I picked up Arkham Asylum. I'm like, okay, maybe Batman cool, actually. And I played through the Arkham games. What, Alexis, why are you shaking your head? I hate Batman so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. Proceed. Proceed. I played through all the Arkham games, watched Batman Superman Apocalypse, and I'm just like, okay, Batman's cool. He was never my favorite, but I always he was he was always interesting enough. I, I loved playing through those first two Arkham games especially. So yeah, that's my Batman story. It's how I became a moderately casual fan of Batman. <laughs> All right, Alexis, explain your hatred for Batman because we're going to bring it around to the positive end at the end. Okay, that's probably a good idea. It'll keep it'll keep everybody interested in the podcast so they don't just click off. But um, I also remember those Batman games. Uh, never played them. Definitely was just subjected to watching them from Senior Dallas over here. Um, horrified by them. Super creatures of my nightmares. Um, and then I also will never forget the cover that Dallas loved to display in his room of Joker's just gr- yucky face. Not oh, not Joker, just his yucky chopped off face. That oh is the creature of my nightmares. Death That's of the family. Death yep. of the family scarring my family. Yeah. You love, love to see it. Because I was definitely like 12 because I am an infant. <laughs> still, I'm still an infant, but. Seven years Heavens. old. All right, Eric. What what is your Batman origin? Old? You were seven years old when that. Yeah, when did that come out? What year did it come out? No way. That it came out. What? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. I was twelve. That's how old I am. The year is how old I am. Everyone, surprise! I'm a child. (laughs) I turned twenty-one in a month. Oh no! Oh my gosh! I'm not even allowed to make vodka pasta. I'm not even old enough for that. Have to have somebody buy it for me. All right. Uh, well, this has been another episode of the Comics Collective. <laughs> oh my gosh! Think about our mortality. Wait, am I still the oldest here, Eric? Above or below twenty-six? You don't have to say the exact age, but above or below twenty-six? Above. <gasps> and you're not a grandma anymore. I can walk again. I can feel my hip. <laughs> hip popped right back into place when you said that. Magic. The Fountain of Youth. Love it. She got some Dionysium in her I hips. Was, you beat me by like two seconds. I'm so mad. <laughs> Took the joke right out of your mouth. I love so, it. Back in my day with, uh, with Batman. That's <laughs> why I made that Jake Garrett comment earlier. I was like, I know this. I know I'm this old man that they take out every single time. We need more speed. 
let's get the old guy. He can give us a little boost. How many oh. times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> Every single time there's a crisis, apparently. So I was introduced to Batman through the animated series. Um, way back in the day, uh, my first episode was Robin's Reckoning. It is still my favorite episode. I am a Dick Grayson fanboy, but Batman was a big uh part of my childhood growing up it was him superman and spider-man were like my dudes that was my holy trinity and i absolutely played the games i went and saw batman and robin in theaters and it was incredible at the time when i was a small child but i i really i've always had this affinity for batman he's never been my favorite you know, as I was introduced to newer, cooler characters, I was like, Andy with Woody and Toy Story 1, like, I don't want to play with you. Because <laughs> there were other characters that just took my heart. But like, mm -hmm. Batman's always been this character that I have had a deep respect for, because there's just so many stories you can tell with the character. Like, you can tell really campy, like, silly stories, and you can tell really dark, probably not for children's stories, and he, he works in all of it. So I've been a big fan of Batman for a long, long time. See, that's a man with taste right there. Defending Batman and Robin. See, my I intro... like the Robins. I never said anything about the Robins. I just said I hate Batman. He is too old I to be depressed. You. He needs to get it together. Too old he to needs to go to therapy and figure it out. She says unable to buy if vodka for it, her he vodka pasta. <laughs> Too old to be depressed. Um, my, my origin to Batman is similar, actually, in that I watched the crap out of the Joe Schumacher Batman movie with my cousins at, like, very formative age, right? Like, four-year-old me up in the attic watching Green Bane and Pamela Isley just do their thing watching Mr. Freeze say, ice to meet you, back credit card. It was perfect. It was garish. It was bright. Easily the gayest take on Batman we've ever had. And it was wonderful. Bat nipples and all, you know? I was there for it. I didn't have any inhibitions yet. And so when I went to preschool and there was a Batman toy there, that guy whew, was my best friend in preschool. Other kids would be like, come play with us. I'd be like, I got to play with Batman toys. Sorry. He's got to climb this wall over. I remember vividly the game where Arctic Batman just had to climb up the wall that was an ice wall in my brain. Then he'd slip when I got higher than I could reach. And I was like, oh, no, he's got to climb some more. I'm sure my teacher was watching like that kid is climbing that toy up the wall over and over again. That's a core memory to... right there. That is a core <laughs> memory right there. <laughs> and that guy's been with me since then, honestly. I love Batman. Kind of like Eric, he's never been my favorite, but like he's always there. I'm always interested in what he's doing. He's like catnip, frankly. He's like that ex from your life that you just always kind of check back in. Like, what are, what are they doing? Well, that's what they doing. Huh, interesting. Batman is like the Kardashians. You can't look away. Say, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm ne I've never been one for like Batman monthlies, but on like a nice stormy night there's no other book i'd rather sit down with and just like cuddle up with than like a good batman mystery that's that hits the spot for me every time 
I just think, like, in his origin he of creation, they took every popular po- thing happening in the late 1930s. So, like, all right, pulp magazines, spy magazines, every single thing. Let's make a bastard of a comic. And they put it all together, made Batman, and surprise, he has stayed relevant since then. Because he contains multitudes, everyone. And he has pointy ears. Varying mostly the pointy ears. Real quick, are you guys make about are you guys long or short ear people? Oh, long, long. I'm I'm no bitch. Long ears. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's. I want him. Face. I want him ducking through every doorway he goes through. <laughs> that's a stupid. You, you that's why he's Better yet, he doesn't. His ears just cut through the doorway. <laughs> There's always a bat silhouette never through every been. door he goes through. I'm more of a uh, that Tim Drake outfit with the cowl with no ears, just smooth, weird, bald head. Oh, I want that. I want that for Batman. You're a smooth, weird, bald head person. Oh, no. Good thing we've read Midnighter already. <laughs> True. I'm, I'm a short-eared guy myself, though I do like the uh, the length that, that we've got on that Pattinson, that Rob Bat. Yeah, that's good. Cool. That's a good length. That's a good one. Oh, it's good, like mid-length. Yeah. Like the Arkham Origins. This is after breakup cut, mid-late. Say, I think I like them shorter <laughs> as long as they're thin. I don't like little, fat, stumpy, like, kitty ear, fat ears. The little nubs. The little nubs. I'm okay with that little nubs. I like the idea of some really long ones that he, like, bends over and charges at someone <laughs> like a rhino. <laughs> I want that. But then so they cool, bend. Yeah. yeah. No, like, reinforcement when he hits them. <laughs> exactly. They just, like, flop out and say, why'd you do that? That was really weird. I'm just thinking if they don't bend and he charges at a wall and he gets stuck in the wall. <laughs> Can't get out. Can't move his neck, but the ears why do. Why do you think bend. he has Robin? Robin has to get him out of the wall. <laughs> That's why Jason Robin, has those crowbars to just <laughs> pop him out. <laughs> Jason Todd plopping him out of the wall with the crowbar. <laughs> oh, it's good. All right, so zero year specifically. What we read for this show. What... What are people's general thoughts about Zero Year before we hop into it? Good Batman comic. Best I liked Batman it, comic. and I hate Batman. Okay, Good Alexa. Batman comic. Good Alexa. Batman comic. Tell us about... Better than year one. I agree. We'll get into that. Hot take. He said better than year one. So, Alexis... I heard this was the place for spicy takes, so I've, I've come in swinging. That's true. Nobody listens to us. We can say whatever we want. Alexis, what did you like about Zero Year? Was this a good Batman origin to start with? I thought so. I mean, as someone, I mean, I know who Batman is. I know his story. I know his childhood trauma. Who doesn't? And it was just a nice view of, like, they addressed what happened, but it wasn't, like, the whole focus. Like, it showed kind of everything else that was going on to make him to be Batman, if that makes sense. And I liked that. I feel like I don't get that a lot. and. And I liked how, frankly, there wasn't a Joker. There was somebody else that he was trying to go after. And it was just refreshing. It wasn't like your stereotypical, like, I'm going to chase after the Joker for 75 episodes or issues. So it was nice. Nice change. I think it's a really good operative word, fresh, for zero year. I was going to say, oh, sorry, it didn't. If I could take just a second and read what Scott Snyder wrote about issue 21 in the first draft at the, because I had that little special at the end of my issue. 
And he describes it as one note before we start the feel of this issue and the next three should be bold, fun, fast, and bright. We want to cut 180 degrees away from the other origin stories. This is where we'll surprise people, make something totally our own. Our story is organically brighter and more kinetic and more bombastic with action, adventure, even touches of sci-fi. So let's celebrate that. Innovative, cutting, creative paneling, fast storytelling. I want this to be like an anti-year one because it's genuinely is by nature. That story is Intimate, grim, gritty, realistic, and dark, artistically and story-wise. It's a masterpiece, untouchably good, and one of my favorite books ever, but it's mob, crime, grit, blood, corruption. Our story is big, huge, city-shaking, action, sci-fi at times, adventure. So I just, I think that's what makes it stand out so much, is just because there's a lot in there that hits on things that happen in year one. Like, we still get the famous, like, yes, father, I'll be a bat moment. But it's done in such a different way and one that I'm still like debating on if I like it better, if it feels more organic or not, because I never really liked the idea. It's symbolic, but I never really like the idea of a random bat just breaking through a window by happenstance. But it's good because I feel like that part of Batman has forgotten too much, that fun comic booky side of him. Everyone wants to make him dark and gritty and realistic, and we've seen that take over and over and over again, and I just... It's so refreshing to get back to the fun roots of Batman and to for- not forget that this is a larger-than-life character that exists in a larger-than-life world. And I really think that captured that aspect of the character perfectly. And I think to make this the story that follows after like something like Death of the Family that was pretty dark, was pretty spooky, to then be like, and now 12 straight issues of bright, fun, Silver Age story this was the batman story that was going on when i decided to start reading comics so literally the very first issue i ever picked up of a batman comic off the shelf was i think it was like 24 the last of secret city when the red hood gang goes and joker falls into that vat right and i was like oh comics are good and so i was just like happily reading along after that right and so this is this will always hold a special place in my heart because kind of like Alexa said, I knew Batman's story. I'd seen The Dark Knight 47 times. It was my and duty. And I had to sit through those 47 times. <laughs> not willingly. I watched them that many times as well. It was my duty as a 15-year-old boy to watch The Dark Knight every single day and be like, yes, father, <laughs> I too will become the bat. <laughs> and so then picking up this comic and getting such a different take on Batman. And did you see how high the craft was on this story? Because I picked up a big stack of comics that day, right? And this Batman comic consistently rose to the top of the heap as yeah. this is the best comic coming out right now. It's the one I like the most. And I was a little worried to return to this story because I did have such rose-colored glasses for it. And it held up 100%. I still think Zero Year is one of my personal favorite Batman stories. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, and hit the nail right on the head. Like, it's so different from year one that it's almost impossible to, like, compare the two. Yes, they have, like, the building blocks, like, hey, it's an origin story. Yeah, he goes up against organized crime at one point. And, like, at that point, like, it's off the rails. And it's so different because it's so... um, It... It's so much of its time, just as year one was. Year one was the perfect origin story for an 80s Batman. 
And this is a story for the two, the 2010s. This is a story that has color, that has that bombast, that has that really fun Silver Age notes in it, while also still being as grounded as Snyder and Coppola's entire run is. They play with a lot of ridiculous stuff, but they also have it grounded in character, in uh, iconography, in people who are just trying to get through their day and trying to figure out the the city of Gotham. Um, this was coming out at a time where we also had books like Superior Spider-Man, which I was incredibly into. It's my favorite Spider-Man run. This was coming out at the same time as Marvel Now was really kicking into high gear, which is one of the best periods of Marvel that I think they've ever had. And like Dallas said, it consistently was like, oh man, but Batman's real good right now. I don't know. Batman's real good. And Zero Year has always kind of stuck out to me because it's the one where no matter what day it is, what time it is, you say, I really like Zero Year. Someone will inevitably be like, yeah, but it's no year one, man. Like it's not, year one's way better. And it's it's this beautiful thing like something I'm going to invoke right now, Spider-Man Twitter, where you can't say anything about it without people coming to murder you and i think that's some that's beautiful about this story that is that's the true beauty of a story you know when you can just say it someone will have beef with you you know it it makes your heart warm to know that this bothered someone enough that they've made it their whole personality to harass (laughs) you 10 years later oh believe me i'm a captain marvel fan i know i'm i'm aware well aware uh i'm a white straight guy on twitter i've never had beef with anyone (laughs) (laughs) people just leave me alone you know dallas is that michael i'm gonna ruin dallas's life that's why i'm here (laughs) and we appreciate that that's my favorite thing about you thank you (laughs) (laughs) i'll just bring up our childhood trauma i have an interesting insight yes much like batman (laughs) much like batman am i batman maybe yes eric our minds sink. We have a unimind. <laughs> Alexis is definitely a short-eared Batman, though. Definitely Alexis, short-eared. Alexis comes in with just some nice little stubs. Some year one stubs. You can't even barely see. I will say I'm a short-eared guy, that? but the bat student year in zero year is chef's kiss. Oh my I God. love oh. the zero year bat suit. Batman mm-hmm. on the motorcycle was a revelation, yep. honestly. The cape all torn up, but the cowl still there. Gray t-shirt. Oh, it's so good. It is. The character designs in Zero Year are perfect, frankly. So good. I and, love that the uh, the red hood helmet doesn't cover his entire face. <laughs> and his a, nose like, pokes funny. out. I'm like, this is incredible. This is like when you get a hat that's just one size too small, <laughs> but it was yep. the only only one in the shop and you really wanted that hat so you're like trying to like fit it onto your head slowly yeah and i like it that way because it lets our proto joker be more emotive because this isn't the same character from like the killing joke where he's like i'm just here to get a paycheck excuse me he's here because he wants to cause hell and he wants Mm. people to know he wants to see that he wants people to see that smile on his face and i love that that was a a very subtle change to the costume design but definitely one with a lot of impact that was really cool to see totally agree 
not gonna lie, the one part of this masterful piece is that I don't like is the Red Hood stuff. I'm like, get him really? into the vat. Put that man in the vat. Get to the Riddler. Get to the purple gloves. I am not interested in this Joker Damn. origin story. Sweep, sweep, sweep. I was gonna say that's my one of my favorite parts. I wasn't a fan of Dr. Herflin or the bone guy. I'm just gonna Dr. call him Death. Dr. Dr. Death. Death. I love oh, Dr. Death. I really liked that. Dr. Part. Death is oh, okay, fine, fine. The I've been alpha was... I get it. I hear it. I'm back. Sorry, out. Anne. Sorry. I'm usually your no. disciple. <laughs> no, Dallas did have a kernel of truth in there. Purple gloves are best gloves. Oh, Anytime yeah. Batman has purple in his costume, it is automatically top tier Batman. Yep. It wins. I'm I still mad that they didn't put this costume in Arkham Knight. I'm still very oh. upset. It would have looked so good. I they were went... too busy redesigning the um the Batman Beyond costume to look atrocious. Uh, <laughs> it's so bad. So I'm playing it again after seeing the latest mm-hmm. Batman trailer. Because every single time I see a trailer from that movie, I'm like, I got to go be Batman. I got to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> prep. And like, it's, I'm running around in the, uh, the Batman Incorporated, which is also top tier. And I'm very excited for George Molina to bring that back. But Purple Gloves, man, like you can't, you can't get better than Purple Gloves. The purple gloves were so good that they made me go and spend three hours learning about color theory this week. And so now I'm going to make <laughs> everyone else learn about color theory. Yeah. I know. I saw I'm that the tweet. I'm child that was artistic <laughs> in our family. Dallas I think makes... everyone hates me. <laughs> That's true. Alex makes one tweet about color theory and I start to panic. <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> Sweat. Oh no. But that's that's a reason it's better than year one is because year one didn't even have purple gloves. I mean, come on. Year one was it's basically black character. and white. Yeah. Did year one have colors? I don't think so. <laughs> Certainly not purple. Certainly not purple. My favorite thing about Frank Miller's work with Batman is that I really, really like it, but I feel like punching into it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, it is a 10 out of 10 comic. And that sucks that it's that way, idiot. <laughs> yes. It's idiot. because that's the only version that's been allowed to thrive for the last 30 years. That is true. That is true. Yeah. I think Frank's work with Batman should have been how it is supposed to be. Elseworld stories. I mean, year one is supposed to be the incontinuity origin. Mm-hmm. That is there. But like Dark Knight Returns, the fact that that has influenced portrayal of batman mm-hmm. is ridiculous that was literally frank miller being like i got mugged in new york city and now i'm very <laughs> very mad and i'm gonna make it everyone else's problem because i'm batman and if you didn't know that was the origin story of how that book got made so i did yeah, not so know if you, that if you live in if you live in la and you end up going to la comic-con in december ask him about that story say hey i heard you got mugged one time can you tell me how that influenced dark knight returns yeah <laughs> just ask him i nothing will just go rumbles. wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. walks away with a fedora no on say <laughs> so he's not alan moore so he can't hex you so i mean <laughs> what's the worst that can happen there really are no consequences he knows he knows yeah. he knows thanks a lot and Thanks a lot, Ant. This audio just got corrupted. I'm gonna have to. You're I'm gonna have to edit this so much now because of what you just did. Oh, the worst Frank Miller could do is just write a Superman story. Okay, moving on. Don't you dare put that evil on us! I swear to God, we had to deal with one already. And that was too much. It was too much. Man, I will not survive with I have never gotten viscerally angry at a comic 
I've never, because I, I love comics, have since I was young. I've never wanted to arm a comic until I read Superman year one. Burn it. I just think it's really cool that the inspiration to become Superman came from the U.S. military. You know, like that. Uh, Beautiful, ingenious, perfect. Touch, touches Truly my heart. Truly a man who understands Superman on such a visceral level. Never since Zack Snyder. I, okay, now we can't publish this. <laughs> Throw it out. Start again. We're only 45 minutes in. <sighs> All right, I'm going to go, guys. This is fun. <laughs> He's like, I have a career I have to save, guys. You know what Keep I was thinking together. about? That you brought up earlier, Dallas, and talking about how this is the anti-year one. This book was also the anti-new 52 because this came out right in the middle. And you talk about um, Death of the Family. I remember the issue right before this, the entire Bat family had supposedly been served their own faces on a platter. And then to go straight from that to this, it's night and day. And the fact that even in the script that Scott Snyder was able to mention the word fun, something changed. Because if you read about the um the New 52 and everything they said the writers could and couldn't do, fun was very much a no-go word. So the fact they were able to pull this story off when they did is nothing short of an editorial miracle. And I thought that was worth pointing out. Well, I think it's... One of my favorite things that happens in comics is when mm-hmm. somebody gets the ability to like swing their weight around a little bit yep. and they do it to make comics better, right? Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo sold this book like hotcakes. And so then they said, Batman's going to be colorful for a year straight. <laughs> Batman is going to be fun for a year straight. Batman is going to lose at two of the three major turning points of this story. <laughs> And you're not going to do anything about it. And DC Comics said, oh, no. <laughs> they were well, that's what I love food. about young Batman. Like, you know, we I, there's been like discourse on Twitter, because of course there is, mm-hmm. about like, oh, let's just tell another young Batman story. And it's like, yeah, because Batman can get his ass kicked when he's young Batman. <laughs> and he can't do a damn thing about mm-hmm. it. Like, they go full RoboCop on him at one point where they're just riddling him with bullets. And I'm like, get out of this, little boy. (laughs) Come on. Call in your Robins. Oh, wait, no. No, you can't. Come on, Bat God. Where is your Morrison now? Where are you? I can't believe... Where is your Morrison now? You dropped it before Dallas did. You broke the, you broke the Morrison man. You beat him to it. (laughs) Oh no. No, I just, I really, I love seeing characters struggle, and young Batman, boy, does he struggle, especially in this comic. He does. He gets his ass kicked Mm -hmm. over and over, and so it makes it so much more triumphant when he does pull it off, right? Because when Batman can just stroll in and contingency plan his way through anything, there are no stakes, and the story becomes less interesting, right? But seeing a Batman where I had read this story before, and I was like, does Batman solve these riddles, or does he have to, like, power his way through this? What happens? You know? I was like, I read this. I know know what happens. But, like, I was sucked into it, right? Because this is a very tangible Bruce Wayne. And I think you can do that with a full-grown Batman as well. You don't just have to have vulnerable Bat-Baby. You can have vulnerable Batman. 
or so, an effing psychopath in a bat suit, right? Isn't that what Jim Gordon <laughs> yeah. called him? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think it's really, it's really great. And to bring this to a Morrison place, oh. I think. Oh. <laughs> well, I think it's it's important to recognize this is the Batman that came after Morrison's run, right? Yeah. The run that made Bat God, the run that then dismantled Bat God and Batman Inc where Batman is barefoot dying at the bottom of a pool while the sun gets killed. Like, people don't talk about that part of the Morrison run. It's like, we built mm-hmm. the Bat God, and we killed the Bat God. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was left. So Snyder really had a pretty blank slate moving forward with this. And I think he took some of the best parts of Morrison's run, especially, and I know Eric loves this too, the Batman and Robin, quietly Morrison bit, with like the psychedelic colors, the big bombastic silver agey villains, that seems to be what Zero Year draws from. That version of Batman that has flaws, might fail, is facing off against Technicolor bad guys. I don't think we get Zero Year without that. So I do have mm-hmm. to tip my hat to dear Grant Morrison, patron saint of this podcast. He's he's actually, mm-hmm. listeners, just so you know, he's actually wearing the same Frank Miller fedora. <laughs> So he's he's tipping that right now. That's actually the Frank Miller fedora because I was the guy that mugged him. It was for the hat. Lexi, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> like, is he done? I, I muted him through that. Is he is he done? <laughs> <laughs> Get more over? Is it? I think so. Go? There's okay, only cool. one Morrison that matters to me, and his name is Keith. And if you don't have anything nice to say about him, I will quit. I don't who even is know he? who that is. Exactly. <laughs> Just whenever Dallas starts talking more, and just mute and nod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know. Sorry. My yeah. bad. <laughs> Sorry. We should have texted you before. Here. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know that his, his Morrison rants are legendary, mm-hmm. but I've, I've never been physically witness to it. So that was a treat. <laughs> it's it's You're like welcome. anytime you want to, I mean, we could go on for about an hour talking about Morrison Superman if we want to. All Star Superman is the best comic book ever written. It's the quintessential no comic book. It's, it's it's incredible. Yes, nine one one. It is. <laughs> it's modern. It's now become a hostage situation. The way that she has her phone. <laughs> that was With so unexpected. I need help. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so funny. They oh, said no. Help me, mom. Help me, mom. Come pick me up. They're yeah, talking I'm about Grant Morrison again. <laughs> that was a pretty good point, too, when he was talking about, like, the visuals of this. Because, yep. like, the art is so good. And this this is where Greg Capullo, I think, really got it. Because, like, if you read through Court of Owls, if you read through Death of the Family, great and good story, respectively. Mm-hmm. But, like, the art style is so different from like even like now when we're talking about like death metal stuff like that you got like bruce with this gigantic chin and like this little bitty face everyone's Mm -hmm. like essentially stock bodies and batman is like way more angular and this one like because he got the chance to you know draw a young younger batman with like a more slender face this just became the batman face of the bruce Mm -hmm. wayne face that he used for the rest of the run and i kind of love that 
And his whole art journey across the 52 issues or the 50 issues that he was kind of the main guy for really is fascinating to watch. You don't get to see that anymore. You don't get to see like an artist like develop and change over time because no one gets enough time to spend on a book like 40 plus issues anymore. And it's wonderful to see him really kind of get to play. Cause like you said, in the first two arcs, it was a lot of, you know, dark, gritty, like Batman, Batman story. And this one, you get to play a little bit. He meets Riddler and like next to a Sphinx and has to climb out of this thing. And the big swings that he gets to take, like that whole, I'm looking at it right now, like the big Ouroboros when he's having the conversation with uh, Nygma for the first mm-hmm. time. Genius stuff. Like, it's incredible the big swings that he takes with and the colors by FCO Placencia are incredible. They are amazing. They are amazing. I I have to give a shout out to these colors for a minute. We've been saying on this podcast for a little while, we need to get better about talking about colors. So here we go. We're paying the color gods because <laughs> FCO Placencia. Also, by the way, he only has like 6,000 followers on Twitter. So everyone go follow him on Twitter. Give him follow some him. love. He is a genius. Because the decision to use the subtractive primary color palette for this was so smart. So anyone like me who didn't know this 24 hours ago, there are all sorts of different primary colors, not just the ones you learned about in school. And the ones for ink and like printing are magenta, cyan, and yellow, right? That all of those, when they overlap, can create every color in the spectrum that you need to see. And so that's why they're the three primary colors that were used for printing comics up until the invention of digital coloring, which is its whole different thing. But the decision to use those three colors in this story arc makes it instantly classic, makes it instantly visually distinctive, makes it feel like you're reading an origin story. And it's beautiful. But I think like the real special talent comes in not using too many of those colors at once. Like every page has its own visual identity because with those being subtractive colors, when they're all on the same page, they create gray, they create brown. But if they're just one color per page, then they get to shine. And so you're like flipping through this and every single page is a treat. It feels like candy. I love it. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Thank you for listening to me, everyone. <laughs> I was I, I was excited to learn color theory. I don't know nothing about color theory. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I'm so much. I'm glad that Dallas is smarter than any of us here. So he can live that way. <laughs> Anytime I'm Lex, learn it. Okay. Okay. Smarter than me. I'm kidding. <laughs> the Taylors are both smarter than me. definitely smarter than our whole family combined. Okay. But in other news today, the dumbest I felt in a million years <laughs> was trying to read and understand Jonathan Hickman's Decorum. Every time I read that book, my brain turns into oatmeal and falls out my ears. And I'm like, the art is the prettiest thing I've ever seen, but I could not tell you, gun to my head, what's happening in that story. And I've read seven issues. I don't think... I don't think you could have scared me more than the words Jonathan Hickman and Decorum. That That sounds like... 
the scariest thing I've ever imagined. <laughs> I could not imagine. It, it sounds like I'd have to trudge through it. Dallas is having PTSD and... as we speak. <laughs> but it's so pretty. Like, so you pretty. look pretty at a page, good. it's so... The artwork is on a different level in that book. I'm sorry, this isn't a decorum podcast, but I felt very <laughs> stupid reading that today. So it's nice to read this Batman comic and be like, I can contribute something. Can I'm contribute. not as I'm not as stupid yep. as Decorum made me feel. And it was you, um. Oh, go for it, Eric. I was just, I was just gonna say, have you read his uh, Pax Romana? I have not. Any good? Any good? That was that was the book where I felt incredibly stupid. Like Hickman's stuff, like is super high concept in the big two, and it gets even weirder. Like outside of that, Pax Romana, I'm like. I can't get through like five or six pages of this. Like I don't, I'm not understanding any of this. I feel I have to put this down. I have to go read about some guys punching each other so I can feel smart again. Like, exactly. It's bad. And mm-hmm. it's not like the book's bad. It's just like, I don't connect with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I need, I need Bruce in a cave saying I will become a bat. Like that's, I know that I can mm-hmm. read that. And then Bruce looked down and said, I'll be a bat daddy. A bat daddy. Bat daddy? I'll be a bat daddy. I mean... (laughs) And adopt these kids. Adopt (laughs) these 20 kids. Keeping up with the Waynes. Keeping up with the Waynes. All of them are important, but Jason Todd. So, (laughs) moving on. Back to the purple gloves. I think the use of purple in this story is so much more important than Jason Todd has ever been in a Batman comic. And stop! Stop! He's already, he's already dead. <laughs> I, I'm going to be 100% real. If DC Comics said right now, call in to decide if Jason Todd lives or not, I would kill Jason Todd. There is, I would set up a bot to call in like those kids did back in the 80s. They were oh right the gosh. first time. We... They were right the first time. They said, fuck this kid. And we were saved. And then we brought him back. And I have, everyone has made it my problem since then. The amount of discourse I hear about that stupid second Robin. He's using a crowbar now. This is ridiculous. He's alive again. This is ridiculous. He's alive again. (laughs) My mom told me never to speak ill of the dead. And since he was dead once, I can say nothing. Since he's I'm also alive not allowed again. to speak most comic characters. That's why my account's so positive, because I can't speak ill of the dead. All right, and talk shit. And talk shit. <laughs> Though there was that, like, that Robin 80th anniversary cover with, like, all of them descending, and, like, it had, like, Jason as in his Robin costume with a tire iron, and I'm like, yes. Like, that should have been his weapon as a Robin. Yes. Because he's popping... Mm-hmm popping the wheels off the Batmobile. Like, just give him a tire iron. Like, you want to give Damien a sword? Like, why can't this kid use, like, a blunt instrument? <sighs> well, to be fair, Damien was also killed by a sword, so... Fair. Fair. That's why he's the worst Robin. So true. Oh! Um, oh! <laughs> oh! Carrie <laughs> Kelly is right there. I mean... Wow! Kelly is right there, she says. But... I don't know. That was the first name I could think of. I, I don't care enough. Oh, good lord. Oh, I found the cover. Robin discourse. The Robins. <laughs> We're all pretending like it's not the exact same damn kid seven times. If you put them all in Whoa. a row without costumes on, 
not a chance. Dude, I don't even recognize I, their, some of their names. Stephanie Brown so. looks nothing like them. How <laughs> dare you? I was gonna say if you can't tell if you can't tell Stephanie Brown apart from any of the others, I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> Put Stephanie Brown and Dick Grayson in a room. I couldn't tell you which is which. <laughs> the same stupid kid. Honestly, Batman just needs to start using the Robins as shields. You know. That's how he did. That's how we got Jason. <laughs> Oh, Jason Todd is the worst. All right. But purple gloves are great. Purple gloves. What if you gave Jason purple gloves? Oh, then it'd ruin him because he is neither creative nor intelligent nor loyalty. We can't win with you, can we? Oh, my gosh. Those are the three things that purple stands for. It's creativity, Mm -hmm. intelligence, and royalty, which Bruce Wayne has all three of. And in the two stories we read... It's used in different ways, which is great. Young Bruce has the purple gloves because it's his most creative. It's the time he has to think the most outside of the box. It makes it, it visually tells you what's going on, right? And Jason Todd has none of those positive traits. And that's why he wears a I'm I'm just looking at this cover again, because Carol posted it up. I love that all of them have different weapons. And Stephanie Brown's is just brass knuckles they're just like yeah i'm just gonna punch the hell out of this (laughs) stephanie brown said i will feed you my fists and laugh while doing it incredible i love it incredible stephanie's the best anyways um yeah wait while we're talking about year one there's no robin in year one (laughs) i've completely lost the plot (laughs) no but i i think it Dallas made a good point in that, like, this, along with another story that we read, like, the purple definitely signifies something mm-hmm. new for Batman. And it's a different take than what we get for even most of the Snyder Grupulo run is just this, the purple signifies fun for Batman, which is not two words that you normally see together, fun and Batman, but having the purple be the signifier of, like, all right, it's going down now. We're going to have some fun here. And there's going to be colors. There's going to be a man who can turn his bones into trees. And he is going to be terrifying. Um, that's something I also... Oh, my God. Dr. Death, okay? Dr. Death is a very deep cut. He's an early, early Batman villain. And they're like, you know what? Dr. Death. Why not? Let's Dr. Death this. You know what this needs? More Dr. Death. And they decided to tell the story with him where he is just, he's terrifying. He's nothing like he was in the, the original appearance of him. He was just a guy. And this, they're like, yeah, let's Cronenberg this up. Let's make this happen. And it's, it's visually distinct. And again, it ties into that like Silver Age sensibilities of the story while also making it terrifying to read very late at night, especially when you're somewhat young it's so good one second dallas you got your you got mega death voice again hello i just threw my microphone out the window it's falling down a wind tunnel have i even yeah, doubted okay. all am it's i normal now dr death voice on yeah exactly forget that and i was doing my dr death voice oh well i'm sorry i interrupted you go on continue so- so anyway, I think Dr. Death is the most sympathetic character in this story because 
Um, I think he has a cool design, and therefore I empathize with him. I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 He's so visually striking. I He's love this so guy. Oh, when Batman like breaks all of his bones to like make him heal around mm-hmm. the the railing, that, the railing. so cool. I was like, oh, this is that good stuff. And then he breaks all of his bones to come back out. He's just like, he's like he's the best video game villain ever because he just keeps evolving and having different, more powerful forms. The flipping horns start to spiral off of him. It's beautiful. A villain that gets more and more scary the more times Batman punches him. That's the coolest idea I've ever heard in my life. Come on, forget about it. And it's the ultimate argument against those people who are like, why isn't he building infrastructure? It's like, no, he can punch people too. And this guy gets better <laughs> when he, when you punch him. I, I thought you could say he punches this guy and makes new infrastructure. That's how this works. <laughs> he does. That's true. <laughs> he made a whole new railing. It was broken and then he fixed it. No cost to taxpayers. Oh my gosh. Batman take, thinking take, about the people. Take that liberals. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> I have to disagree on the most sympathetic character, though. Most sympathetic character is Buzzcut Bruce Wayne, and I won't hear any any disagreements on that. Buzzcut oh Bruce Wayne gosh. is the best. He's the most aerodynamic Bruce Wayne, for sure. He truly is. <laughs> I like okay. Bruce Wayne wears silicone masks of other people before he becomes mm-hmm. Batman Bruce Wayne. That's fair. That, that's my favorite Bruce Wayne. I still need to I figure out that. how he was Penguin. <laughs> Did he was he like crouching the whole time? Was he just like yeah. hobbling around? Was, He's like yeah. mega squats. That's where the belly comes from. It was his knees. Oh my god. We've all done that when we were kids, the little yeah. duck walk. Like Wait, he was just doing that the whole time, just with really nice loafers. It's when you put your knees into your shirt and you're exactly. just like yes. I now kind of want to see like a redo where he he's walking towards um, Red Hood, except he flips over and he just starts rolling away because <laughs> he can't go. He rolls, he rolls away like a droidica. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Unfurls with the umbrella. <laughs> Little Samus Aaron Metroid ball. And then Duke Thomas and Rookie both come in and you go, no, there are two of them. <laughs> give me, stop. Okay, give me that Duke Thomas and Rookie book right now. We'll get there. We'll right get there. Now. We'll get there. Everybody, I didn't say this beginning. I was going to say it at the end. But we're talking super heavy over on Eric's podcast. The the perfect sequel to Zero Year, frankly. The story is amazing. And it's got the best sequel ever in Super Heavy. And Alexis really loved Super Heavy, so. Freaking robot Batman. (laughs) Is the best Batman. Thank you for starting that sentence. I really. (laughs) Wrong. All right. Do we have any more comments about zero year before we hop into some of these list um, questions? Yeah, I just wanted to take just a second to say the actual, like, for real, for real, sympathetic character of this book is Alfred. And seeing his struggle with watching everything that Bruce is going through, that hurts. That's, I feel like it's not the version of Alfred I like the most because I like the one that's just like, I'm here for you completely. This one breaks my heart. And I feel like it's very realistic in that sense. And we do get to see that continued through Super Heavy, which I really liked. But this Alfred just, I you feel for him. Like, oh my God. This is just a man who doesn't want to see his son get hurt any more than he already has been. 
just the scene where like he sees what could have happened with mm-hmm. that girl. Oh, I like, had, had to oh, put it down. God. I was like, oh, no. okay. He had a little mustache. Freaking Batman. And, and he little... said, thank you. <laughs> the Alfred had his own little what if moment. <laughs> and the watcher's just like, damn, that's sad. <laughs> and I love that another like through line between this and Super Heavy is Julie Madison. She pops up at the end of this. Mm-hmm. She's mainstay and super heavy. Julie Madison rules, and we should talk about Julie Madison more often. She does. Best bat. The only convincing Batman love interest, I think, for me, ever. Hot take right there. Really? I, ha- I have never that bought. That is a hot take. I have never bought Bruce Wayne being into any of these ladies that he's chasing around the rooftops. Ever. Every time Bat, Meow. bat or Cat said Bat, <laughs> I lost something i don't know what it was <laughs> meow meow she says meow doubtless <laughs> batman's got the worst blue balls in comics and that's why he's oh the most violent yes. but <laughs> dallas said latex never heard of her no influence on me <laughs> who is she i don't know her <laughs> i do not know this man if she, if she came up in the street i would not know her um <laughs> We can't read Sunstone now. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think the internet would implode if you, you ever actually talked about Sunstone in a significant way. Yeah. <sighs> I'm excited. All right. We have to talk about Riddler before we move on. I decided this yeah. is my favorite Riddler story. I love the idea of the Riddler. I think he's the best, one of the best ideas for a Batman villain because he challenges Batman's intellect more than just his brute strength. And I really, really thought this was a fun take on the character. What did we all think of Edward Nigma? And also using Edward Nigma as like an alias and sort of the supervillain name, I thought was really cool instead of ever calling him the Riddler. What did we think? He's got mutton chops, who is automatically the best version of the character. <laughs> You're really not good point. You're not I... I'm like reading this version of the Riddler and thinking about that Batman trailer in the back of my head. Cause I'm like, I feel like these are going to be two separately, like immensely different characters. And I'm still not sure if I can compartmentalize that yet. This Riddler feels like it's somewhere between really, really over the top Jim Carrey and what we're probably going to get in the Batman, which is a really, really sinister and, and dark take by um who, who's playing the Riddler in the Batman. Mr. Paul Dano. From Oakjaw fame for me. Uh, that's Looper for me. Oh, yeah, he is in Looper. That's a good movie, too. Wait, who do you play in Looper? He's one of the worst He's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's buddy who, like, they oh, take the... his... Oh, my God, no. Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, where his future self comes back, and they take... Spoilers for Looper, I guess. Um, and they capture his past self, and they're cutting off pieces of him, so he can't, like, keeps losing pieces as he's trying God. to get to Joseph Gordon-Levitt horrifying that was one of the worst movie deaths of all oh, time oh my yeah. god brutal looper is a good movie if you haven't seen oh, looper, yeah. listeners very good movie lexi we sh- watch i don't looper. know what that is watch looper it's very good you get to good. see young and old bruce willis joseph gordon levitt provides the voice but it's two separate bruce willis <laughs> i love bruce willis every time he's on the screen i smile <laughs> i can't take. explain it Say hot take. Looper was the last time Bruce Willis acted. 
Yeah. No, yeah. I, I can't I can't think of another movie after that. Yeah. Nope. That's it. <laughs> Next week we're actually all gonna be watching Armageddon together. <gasps> dad loves that movie. I know our dad loves that movie. It's not a good movie, but oh, it's yeah. a movie. Yeah. I was gonna say Aerosmith twi- trigger. <laughs> <laughs> My heart. My heart will go on double feature Lord of the Rings Armageddon for Liv Tyler's entire <laughs> acting career. <laughs> oh, I have more to say about Riddler, but I do believe we have some questions about him where I'll be able to comment more on that in just a minute. Perfect. Should we do yeah, these? I, oh, Eric. Eric I, I just wanted to say, since we're just bringing up certain characters, um, having Lucius work together with Jim Gordon for the back half during mm-hmm. uh, during Dark City, I thought was inspired. Oh, yeah. Also, Beard- bearded jim gordon rules mm-hmm. and i i love the idea of this is how batman becomes like this legend for gotham and the whole the whole ending where he has to essentially like stop his heart to like stop the uh, stop the device that's going to end the city mm-hmm. incredibly like blockbuster stuff mm-hmm. really really dig it um, Jim Gordon is a big through line through both of those stories as well. And his whole, I love, another reason I love young Batman stories is because you get to see young Jim Gordon, be, you know, still ginger Jim Gordon, where he's just like running around, like, I don't know who this Batman is, but I'm just going to blindly trust him because I'm a good cop. Yeah, I really like that. I liked how optimistic Jim Gordon was this whole story, even after we hear that like story about when he was like, <sighs> The dog fights, oh my god. And just the fact that this that is a... like made me shiver reading that. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's a real thing that probably does happen in real life. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. those are always the worst, aren't they? Because it's like this just got this too realistic. Is real. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that he's still smiling so many years later, and just to show Bruce, like, hey, there are still good people in the city. I, I really like that. I think that and was that a good take on the They still had the dog. Yeah, and that he's his whole deal with like I am gonna be a better person because I saw this kid in the back of my cruiser believe in me one time. Like it's cyclical, and I love that. I love stuff like that. It's it's like George Lucas. It rhymes. It rhymes. Like, it's like poetry. It <laughs> you have to do the hands when you do the voice, or else it the rhymes. voice doesn't sound right. It rhymes. It rhymes. Like, <laughs> George Lucas has the Whopper hands. The little tiny. <laughs> <laughs> no. <sighs> this this is a good episode of the show. This is a good episode. <laughs> Everyone, we all brought our A games here. I like the idea that Jim Gordon proves that Gotham doesn't have to break you because Batman doesn't really show that. You know, ba- Gotham broke Batman in a different way than it's broken all these villains. I and so I think. I don't often throw compliments toward the killing joke, but I think one of the things that the killing joke does right is make Jim Gordon the center of the one bad day can turn you plot point because it doesn't turn Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon is always a good person. He And it's not because he's naive. It's not because he doesn't see all the terrible stuff that happens in Gotham City. He just chooses to be better than that. And I think that's why he's such a compelling successor to Batman in the best Batman comic of the 2010s. Super heavy. heavy. Well, and Scott Snyder also loves Jim Gordon. Yes. Like, 
probably his most favorite or famous Batman story, the one that put him on the map, Black Mirror, is a Jim Gordon story as much as it is a Dick Grayson story. And you can see how much he loves the character with the attention and the care that he gives to him in Zero Year. Yes. And so we will now do some listener questions about Zero Year. Thank you, everybody that wrote in. We will start out with the weekly Glenn Machette report. Oh, Glenn. For the comic podcast version of Roxy Hart, Velma Kelly, and Billy Flynn. (laughs) Don't tell him I've never seen Chicago. (gasps) Don't tell him I didn't get the reference until you just said that. Don't tell him I didn't either. (laughs) I'll be John C. Riley. Perfect. I know that name. That name's familiar. Glenn He's says, an he was finally. in Guardians of the Galaxy. And if if an actor hasn't been in the MCU, are they really an actor? No, they're not. They haven't been in cinema yet. Daniel Daly was foolish. Cough, cough. Never even heard of him. Final. I know who Daniel Day Lewis is, Alexis. Why are you making oh, that face? Harry Styles. I don't know this man. Lies. Finally, something I have read, says Glenn. I think in terms of classic Batman villains, Snyder is thought of as a great Joker writer, but I loved his Riddler here. What is what are some of the collective's favorite Riddler stories? I'm gonna get the classic out of the way. Jim Carrey's Riddler. Uh, it's the reason I like. It's the reason I like Batman. I'll stand by it. That big old goofy orange-haired man. Forget about it. Great Batman movie. Love it. Mm-hmm. I would say. Any of the Arkham games, if I'd actually beaten any of the Riddler missions in any of them, I've never caught the Riddler. I am it's a so satisfying. failure. Is it? It's so satisfying. Okay, good. good. I, I got closer than I ever had before on City, and I might go back at some point and try again. I always lose interest before I do it. City is the best. City is, is the best when when you catch him. No spoilers, mm-hmm. obviously, but like it is so satisfying. Okay. Because this guy's just like talking shit the entire time, and you're just like, ah, if I can find you, I'm gonna punch you in your stupid face. <laughs> oh my god, I Riddler. I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk more about this earlier. Riddler's one of those characters that I think is so hard to do right because, like all smart characters, you have to be a smart writer to pretend to be the smart character. So you, I don't think you can tell a good Riddler story unless you know what you're talking about, unless you can actually pull the goods you can't fake smartness in comics you can't fake being intelligent and that's why i think only a few writers actually have really really memorable riddler stories for me and i honestly i really liked the war of jokes and riddler jokes and riddles i really like that you. story thank that's you that's my favorite i enjoy that and i have not found anyone who enjoys that comic and i really like yeah, I'm gl- I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Too. I don't get it. I I've never gotten the hate for most of the Tom King Batman stuff. There's some things I understand, like how Flashpoint Batman beat the entire Bat family. I'll call bullshit on that. Agreed. But like the rest of it, I, I'm if I can go off on a short tangent, I don't understand why everyone got so mad at a story for taking a second act turn during a second act turn. Everyone's like, I can't believe Catwoman left him halfway through this planned 100-issue arc. This is awful. This is obviously the end times. I'm like, you know stories get worse before they get better, right? That's how a three-act structure works. We'll get there. We know there's 100 issues in this thing. Give it a, give it some time. Stop 
belly aching and then no one stopped belly aching and they cut the run short by like 15 or 20 issues because no one would stop complaining and oh, i i have a lot of rants about that tom king batman run that's that's one of the moments where i think fandom needs to take a breath and think about what's going on before they get angry about something but i also think dc never should have advertised it as the wedding issue that's also on them but story-wise I, I never had an issue with that I also think they should all watch season two of Ted Lasso if they would like to see things getting worse before they get better. Oh, no. I haven't watched season two yet. I haven't watched season one oh, yet. Oh, no. You haven't watched I season one of Ted Lasso? Of I don't have Apple TV. Just log into our moms like we do. Like I do. And we will send you all yeah, of our moms' on. login okay, information. Simply log me. into their moms. Yeah, log into my mom's Apple TV. Come on. Um, she Making finds you it and forgets. Hey, Listeners of the Comics Collective, reach out. Log into my <laughs> phone. I'll make it be. Make a new account, the other daughter. <laughs> I'll put up her, her username and password that she has for everything she owns it's on Twitter.com. Sure. <laughs> Excellent. Log into her bank account. Go for it. Somebody already that tried that. <laughs> Ted Lasso season two was is the Empire Strikes Back of Ted Lasso. And oh. it's so good, though. I love Ted Lasso. I it's the best. See him get his hand cut off. Don't need that. Ted Lasso's pure. Half half of his mustache gets cut off. No. Ted. And he's just got like a, a robot mustache. <laughs> that looks exactly oh. like a regular mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Right, do we have any other favorite Riddler stories other than Ted Lasso season two? I do. I um, I really love the episodes that he features in in the series, in the animated series. He's voiced by John Glover, who's incredible. Um, the episode, If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich?, which is his origin, is a favorite of mine out of that entire series. It's wonderful. And every time he shows up, it's just a treat. They they use him sparingly, which is which I really love. And it makes every appearance feel special. And then um, for comics, I really actually enjoy his appearances in Gotham City Sirens. This is when he's Good Riddler and he's doing like a consultation for the GCPD. And... Just good Riddler is fun. I love, I wish they had stuck with good guy Riddler because it's so fun to see him be like, okay, all right, okay, okay. Um, if I'm going to tackle this from a villain's perspective, oh, I got it, sweet. And then he just like solves, it's incredible. It's wonderful, good guy Riddler forever. I completely forgot that happened until you said that. So I just pulled my copy down and oh my God, I need to, so read. I had to go through this arc again. I, I don't like it. Hold on, hold on. Just look how sl it doesn't show it. It won't show you the, the backgrounds ruining it. And he just looks so swarmy. Yeah. But but I I love him. I I gotta do this. I gotta read this again. It's it's wonderful. And he's so like above it all. And he's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I'll help you. Sure, whatever. I love it. So good. It's it's beautiful. All right, there is a secret second question that Glenn sent in. He says, a question for Madam Banana Man. God damn it. We all know you hate Batman. And we yeah. know that we know about your hatred for men. Why do what? you hate bats, though, <laughs> Anne? What did bats ever do to you? 
signed Glenn Matchett. I need a minute. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So you want to know what Batman did to me? You, you Okay. Listen up, Glenn. I hate you because of course you're a man. Um, Batman poisoned our water supply, burned our crops, and delivered a plague onto our houses. <laughs> and if you don't think he did, it's because he didn't. But are we going to sit around here and wait until he does? No. We talk so, a lot about Bat God, but I didn't know that he was the God of the Old Testament. <laughs> oh my God. Barbados. 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 <laughs> it's important to pronounce the bat in the middle of that. You know, I don't know what Barbados I did to encourage Glenn. Is a lead begotten son, Grant Morrison. <laughs> That's no. where we get New Testament. All right. So anyway, back to All Star Superman is the greatest. Oh my it's God! Incredible. It's muting you. Muted. Mute. Now I know peace. <gasps> she really did. Wait, wait. Does it mute for everyone? She yes. Mute. Yes. <laughs> She, I didn't know. she actually did that on Sky. So much power. I have secret. I've had this power the whole time. We've teased about it, but I never knew it actually oh. worked. <laughs> the old magic of Skype. All right. Uh, feelings, feelings hurt and moving on. Uh, Cole from Critical Rants writes in Hi, all. I hope you're doing well. I'm glad you could have Eric back on the podcast to chat about Dallas and Anne's favorite character, Batman. I like that he did acknowledge that Alexis just does not care for this character. <laughs> I just don't exist. I'm convinced. Every time I open Twitter, I'm like, damn, everybody hates me. Nobody talks about you me. You are Wally West. You are <laughs> Wally West. You're the favorite one that everyone forgets exists. <laughs> and Eric is, Bar Eric is Barry Allen. He's coming back. He was here at the beginning. He's coming back. He's going to get your personality. It's going to be great. <laughs> Get ready for me to show up next week with Alexis's personality, <laughs> saying all of her catchphrases and taking over all of her love interests. You do have to earn your yellow boots, though. Carson's got to watch out. <laughs> all right. Cole says, my question is this. What do you think of this take on the Riddler, and how did you feel about his effectiveness as a villain in the story? Since it's likely you may have already covered this prior to answering questions, here's another question. Rene Montoya, period. Ah, got him. Oh. Got him. <laughs> no, 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 they have a point. He, they get a point. He does. Uh, see, the, the point of the question mark is the hole in things that Grant Morrison alluded to <laughs> in their work on Batman. Um, uh, sorry. Can keep a counter? Sorry, I couldn't resist. My other question is, and we'll get back to the Riddler one. Um, is there an aspect of how Batman is characterized or challenged in this story that you particularly enjoyed? For example, I really enjoyed how Batman doesn't have access to all of his typical resources and as a result feels more low-tech and scrappy. I hope you guys have a blast recording the podcast and I can't wait to listen to it. So what do we think of the Riddler's characterization and Batman's characterization in this story? I think his effectiveness as a villain is really well utilized here. I mean, it's as a like a young Batman villain, you don't want to go like huge and bombastic. You want to go with somebody that he kind of this low rent Batman, this baby bat can kind of go toe to toe with. And Riddler's perfect for that. He's extravagant, but he's also just a dude like he can't physically deal with Batman. So what he does is he 
uses his brains, his resources, and presents a challenge that Batman has to think his way out of. And I think that it's so, so often forgotten that Batman's also super smart. Like everybody's like, yeah, Batman's prepared for anything. Batman can punch his way out of anything and through people. But it's like, he's also, you know, that moniker, the world's greatest detective means something. And having a story where Batman can do detective work he can use his mind to solve problems i love stories like that for batman so i thought he was really well utilized i agree anyone else have anything that even comes close to that insightful i was just gonna say i like that he loses that's not something we see often you know how he loses two times in a row i remember feeling stressed for him i was like oh damn if I, was, I would have quit the first time, but good for you. Keep going. <laughs> Keep on um, going. Good for you. I don't think I have anything to add about the Riddler, but talking, going off that about Batman, I really liked that this was a Batman who showed emotion, mm-hmm. especially during the fights. Like, I keep thinking back to the scene yeah. where he drops the transmitter off the um off the sky balloon. Yes. Oh, he was like, And you no. see, like, the pain on his face. And it's like, so often Batman's just portrayed as completely stoic and it's like you'll never get batman to laugh you'll never get batman to smile and just the fact that this is a point where he's like still showing emotions on his face in the middle of active combat against someone that's that means a lot to me i liked i feel like it fits the theme of the story having a lighter more fun tone and yeah it's just i thought that was cool completely lost my train of thought as soon as dallas brought the cat to the camera dallas has his cat dallas has my niece susan Susan. Susan. I was, was going to say cat. <laughs> cat? She yes. says cat? Bat? <laughs> <laughs> See, those are a good ear length. Susan has good Batman ear length. Yeah. See, we knew yeah. you were a short ear person. <laughs> Susan's a short ear person. <laughs> Her full so name angry. is Susan Henry Magoos, and she is angry because she was asleep before I grabbed her. We've had um, a lot of guest appearances today. We have. Juno jumped up here and stole my biscuit that I was eating. That so. family book. This is. <laughs> yeah. I think the true strength of this book is that there is no Bat family. It's just Batman, the way he should be, mm-hmm. alone. Are we going to fight? Uh, why do you keep saying things to hurt me be today? Be nice to Alfred. He doesn't stitch him up for no reason. I. You're right. That's Alfred true. can stay. Alfred can stay. And we do get Duke Thomas in this, too. Canonically, his first appearance. Love that kid. Love, Love that, that kid. kid. Love him. That's a good kid. The rest of them Robins, trash. They can stay out of here. <laughs> they can stay on over wherever they were. Not born yet, probably, because they're all children. <laughs> well, no, like with the with the new fifty two, this happened five years ago, and it's like, okay, hold on. I want to talk about the turnover, the turnover just... rate on Robins. If this all happened <laughs> one, per year. One, one Robin per year. Per year. Dude, CPS, CPS should be called. I'm freaking yeah, excited. that's Where never not going. Batman that's never not been the Robins. funniest thing. Batman <laughs> goes through Robins in the new 52 like iPhone upgrades. It's every eight months. <laughs> as soon as your Robin's Ooh, battery starts breaking, camera. you got to upgrade. <laughs> it's like, how did, did nobody Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson all of a sudden gets like super janky. Like <laughs> when Tim Drake comes out, he can't even function anymore. <laughs> this one's got a bow staff and it comes Ooh. built in. Awesome. Uh, what were you going to say, Lexi? I was going to say, how did nobody figure out that Bruce Wayne was Batman after all of his adopted children keep disappearing? 
It's because they all look the same. They just see another ten-year-old with dark hair. Oh my god! Have you it's... seen the the panel in Batman number one where he's like standing there with all his kids, and you can <laughs> only, the only one you can tell apart is Damien because he's short, and all yes. the others look exactly the same. Yeah. Well, I love like in that image too, where Dick Grayson is substantially shorter than Bruce, because mm-hmm. I I love short boy Dick Grayson. A lot of people like to have him like, oh yeah, be six three and jacked. I'm like, no, beauty's got to be a gymnast. You got to be like five eight max. Yeah. Look at him. Look at him. He's <laughs> he little. So tiny. He's very small. I like to think of that. I like to think of that guy beating up on crime bosses across <laughs> yes. the river. You know. Yes. But it, it's oh that teenage gosh. rebellion thing, and it's like a crime boss, like, dude, can you come pick your son up? He's kicking my kid's ass. <laughs> 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 Can you do something? It's hey, just like, he's just, it's kid. a phase. He's wearing red. It just, you gotta let him do his thing. got a thing. cape. I don't know where I oh, found it. Hello? Uh, just... If your kid doesn't start behaving, I'm gonna shoot him in the head and make him a super spy. That's just the best <laughs> mental image I've ever pictured. It's like you, you're you afraid of Batman coming at you, and then all of a sudden there's this kid just running at you with a bow staff, and you're like, what the <laughs> hell is I gotta get out of the city. Just these, are my es- these are my escrema sticks. What the hell are you even talking about? What is an escrema stick? And he starts doing backflips at you. His ass is just jiggling in the wind. <laughs> like I was expecting Give us Batman. a new Nightwing zero year right now. That kid who just has too much sample candy in the store and he just starts running around kicking people and shit and jumping off shelves. <laughs> Someone collect this bird. Someone collect this child. There was a small aviary boy on aisle five. <laughs> if you could come here. If you could come pick up your backflipping child on aisle five. Yes, he uh, he has quite the bubble butt and uh, what he is calling escrema sticks. Again, no one can identify <laughs> what the hell an escrema stick is. Bruce is just fuck. Just <laughs> running. Have Tim, seen... leave the cart. Leave the cart. We got to go get him. I also like Bruce Wayne adopting Dick Grayson feels a lot like the John Mulaney joke where it's like, Having a 12-year-old babysit a 10-year-old is like asking a horse <laughs> to babysit your dog. <laughs> like, uh, yes, here's where the dog keeps the kibble. That is and exactly, you're a horse. And you're a horse. That is exactly Bruce Wayne adopting Dick Grayson. So you're 13, I'm 16. Let's go fight See, crime. That's what I hope this Robin and Batman book is, is just like 18-year-old Batman like training 10 year old Robin and they're just like, I don't know, man, let's get in the car. Let's find out what happens. We don't know what's going on tonight. Oh my God. Bruce Wayne's never done his own taxes, but he has a child who takes <laughs> into war zones with him. Bruce Wayne's never made his own sandwich and he that, takes a child into a war there? zone. This is, and, this is Stranger Things season two. You, you know what's worse than seeing one small child running at you? Imagine being a victim of the Teen Titans. <laughs> it's oh. just a bunch of 
four foot tall well, kids running at you. One of no, them's a gorilla. One of them's flying. The other one has a bubble butt. And you're just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Nothing here makes sense. No, I no, no. Die. The Teen Titans make sense because a group of 14 year olds is the meanest group on earth. Okay, there is there is no one more terrifying than a group of 14 year olds. Like the Justice League could come at me and I was like, all right, this is going to be a fair fight. The Teen Titans runs at you and they're like, you're kind of shaped like a pear. Like, what the hell? <laughs> And then they kick your ass. Exactly. Like, we're going to bruise this pair. Exactly. Like, they give emotional scars. The Teen Titans villains have... The more terrified I get of teenagers. The Teen Titans villains have eating disorders. It is a straight line. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you imagine? With the slidings timescale... The Gen Z Teen Titans are like, ah, not me kicking the ass of this loser. Ah. <laughs> just go home Death Dick Grayson like, just starts quick. like dancing over Deathstroke. TikTok dances. The American TikToks. That's how they they do the Judas contract in 2021. They're like, and Deathstroke is canceled. All right. Thank you. Ah. They just like, all right, we're about to kick this boomer's ass. Let's get out of here. Uh, uh, okay, boomer. The Teen That's Titans. Like, I fucking, up. I quit. I'm done with this. I'm gonna go fight a fucking adult. <laughs> I'm fight an adult. A uh, slightly think... older adult named Batman, who's just slightly older. Than Batman's <laughs> 19, 19 over there. Like, I'm a grown up. I'm a big boy. I'm a millennial. I'm <laughs> depressed all the time. Yep. That's and what I they can't don't know about. Me. That's what they don't know about me, Iron Man. I'm depressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, there you go, Cole. So that's the answer to your question, Ooh. Cole. <laughs> Wait, there was a question. What we think about Batman in Zero Batman. Year. I'm literally crying. <laughs> All right. Daniel Ernesto Alcantara writes Have you read Dark Knight's Metal? And what's your opinion on Batmanium? Well, Batmanium makes its first appearance in a story called Super Heavy. You mm-hmm. might have heard of it. It's one of the best Batman stories of all time. Uh, With my barely passing chemistry, I would like to point out that it has an atomic number over 200, which had no real significance for me because I don't understand chemistry. 206 to be exact. (laughs) The Batman number. Ah. Everyone remembers that really, really iconic Detective Comics number 206 where... Batman made his very first appearance and never was had appeared before then. 206. 206. We don't even know what they did for the first 205. It's like Amazing Fantasy. What happened before 15? I don't know. Yeah. That's why they called it the new 206 in 2011. <sighs> exactly. 206 titles. They really got deep into the roster. <laughs> they had books for characters like Aquaman or the Teen Titans. <laughs> Ex- you why I again? I was I, waiting personally. They were scraping the bottom of, of the barrel. I am ending week. you. Dallas is canceled yeah. starting right now. Okay, so um, the best part of Dark Knight's Metal. Sorry, Eric, you were interrupted by an Aquaman fan. <laughs> Are you Aquaman shitting fan. me? It's the kind of person that just comes in with three titles for their character and is <laughs> grumpy about it. Um, Outrageous. Anyway, back to a little-known character, Batman, in Detective Comics 206. And Where Bat- he gets captured by <laughs> Batmanium. 
he goes up against the seminal DC Comics carrier, character, the Trapper of Gotham City. The most iconic <laughs> Gotham City character. The best cause, he's just wearing a raccoon hat. <laughs> just hiding me out a tree at last. I've caught Batman. It's Sly Cooper. The best thing about this cover is Dick Grayson's stupid face. <laughs> no one goes to a Nightwing comic oh, for no. Dick Grayson's face. What are you talking Whoa, about? Annette? Classic. Death metal, or dark, Classic. Dark Knight's Metal was fun. Death Metal, the best part of that was Speed Metal. That is the official take. That is the correct take on all of that noise. I like Death Metal. That's a choice. Why? Because <laughs> Chainsaw Wonder Woman. You could Chainsaw throw that Wonder in Woman's anything and I'd like it. You could throw that in a Frank Miller book and I'd eat it up. Probably not because he'd probably draw her and it'd be like a Dark Knight Strike Back thing. And never mind, I ruined it for myself. They did a much better version of that in Wonder Woman Dead Earth, where she gets to like whip around Kal-El's spinal cord. I haven't so, had a chance to read that one yet. What? I keep hearing good things about it. It's so not good. on DC Universe. I got nothing. So I'm going to. Hold up, I'm going to go to the library right now, the library site. I'm going to order. Stop looking at me like that. I see that, Dallas. Wonder Woman Dead Earth is so fun. Daniel Warren Johnson is somebody that can unironically love all the same things that I criticize everyone else for, and I love it. You know, he's like, I love metal and, like, hardcore stuff and, like, big bombastic violence, and I'm like, so true, King. Go off. Go off. And Come then through. Snyder and Capullo were like, so anyway, Batman has a guitar in this. I know, kind of quirky. And I was like, these fucking posers. Get out of here. i got to get back to my sensible comic where Wonder Woman whips around a spinal cord. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal was good. I liked it. Agreed. I thought it was weird to make Barbados like a literal entity. I kind of liked how he was an idea before, but overall, I liked the Bat Grim Reaper. That was nice. It was cool. Pretty cool. I just, cool. I just borrowed Dead Earth on Hoopla, so I can read that later. Yes. Good. By the way, Hoopla, great site. Check it out if you have a library card. It's great. Sorry, too busy doing crime. Junie Mauricio writes and says, <laughs> question for the Batman Zero Year episode. Hello, Comics Collective people. I hope you're doing well. At this point, we're an hour and a half in, Junie. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I really want to like Batman, but I tend to have a very hard time connecting with the character. Not that I haven't read stories with Batsy I didn't like. Morrison's run is one of my favorite. Good. Good. But I do feel like a lot of the Bat comics I came across portray him as either robotic and emotionless or as a manipulative, raging jerk. So, could you all recommend some of your favorite Batman stories? Not Robo Batman, because he's definitely robotic uh, in that super one. Super heavy. Thank nope. goodness she wasn't talking about super heavy. I don't know what this Robo Batman arc is. Robotic but... Batman. I've never heard of such thing. Never heard of that. Uh, over in Super Heavy, we have a Robo Bunny that Batman. Robo Bunny. Yeah, I was waiting to make that joke. Uh, I'll make it on the other podcast. It's fine. All right, Alexis, do you have any favorite Batman stories outside of comics or just anything you bumped into that you liked? Well, I'm going to be completely honest and say I really did like this run. Um, I wasn't expecting to actually like it, if you want my real opinion. Um, 
but I liked the colors. I like how it was different because I, like I said earlier, I had just my fixed opinion about Batman and I feel like it never, they never try to do anything outlandishly different, but with what Anne read us at the beginning of how they wanted to 180 go the opposite way, I think they did that well. So, and I liked it. Brought my attention back. Junie, you should read Zero Year. It's really fun. It's good. How about you, Eric? What are some of your favorite Batman stories? Uh, Black Mirror, one of my favorites Mm -hmm. of all time. True Blue Detective Noir story starring Jim Gordon and the real best Batman, Dick Grayson. Um, So true. So true. Love me some Dick Grayson. Uh, Dick Grayson should still be Batman. I agree. So uh, I also really enjoy, for all the, the shit that I give him on my podcast for his DC work, uh, Brian Michael Bendis's Batman Universe is woo, woo. wonderful. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Best modern Batman story. I'll say it. Love that, for sure. Um, I'm also, I, I really enjoy, I enjoy the Tom King run. If mm-hmm. it doesn't kind of, if you're looking for a run of of Batman that isn't emotionless, read some Tom King Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman goes everywhere almost too often, mm-hmm. and I love that about him as a character in that run. Uh, yeah, I think Anne brought it up earlier. Arkham Asylum is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great trippy, really fun look into a a institution that really shouldn't still be running if we're being honest here, but really any Dick Grayson Batman story, I think is great. Uh, Batman reborn flip the script. You get a smiling Batman and a worse Robin, but you really get to have, that's what's great about the characters. There are so many different interpretations of him that you can find one that you'll like. Mm Mm-hmm. I was going to say um, the Patrick Gleason um, Batman and Robin stuff. Yes. Yes. Check that out. I'd say if you're afraid of a Batman who's robotic and emotionless, just avoid Frank Miller, avoid Alan Moore, avoid those stories that everyone tells you you should read. If you want to read Batman, go for go for those smaller, the smaller runs like Batman Universe. That's a fantastic run where Batman shows a lot of emotion and isn't a robot. It's it's a really funny run, too. So. Good Riddler story, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Because he's kind of on his rocker in that one. So, yeah, those those are my recommendations. Uh, you, you already said you like the Morrison run, so you have good taste, Junie. I think that's my favorite stretch of Batman. Uh, I really, really like the Murphy-verse of, like, um, Batman White Knight. That's mm-hmm. a little bit of a different take on Batman. But if you like things like Batman the Animated Series... If you like things that sort of shine a light on Batman's shortcomings, but also maintain a lot of fun and show unique, fun ways of showing the Batman rogues and characters, I always look forward to those books. Whenever a new one comes out, I really like it. I know they're not everybody's favorite, but I would just like to throw my two cents in again for Batman Universe. I think that is the comic that I feel the need to gift people the most often. Like, when people are like, oh, what comic should I read? I was like, absolutely Batman Universe. That comic rules so hard. Nick Darrington's art is stunning oh. in that book. Give me Nick Darrington Batman forever. Nick Darrington is, like Doc Shaner, represents like a perfect Silver Age style of comic booking. And Chris Somney, like that whole little cartooning section 
of superhero comics is the best section for my money. So super slept on Batman universe. Make sure to give it a read. But those are our questions for this week. And dear listener, now you got to go over and hear us on the Geek Explained podcast. Eric, do you want to pitch your do you want to pitch your wonderful podcast before we close today? Okay, all right. All right, I'm pitching it. So, uh there's a podcast, right? This podcast mm-hmm. talks about mm-hmm. uh talks it's it's featuring me. Um I think uh, I have conversations sometimes just with myself, sometimes with people like Dallas, sometimes talking about Sweet Tooth. Um, uh, there's a podcast. It's on um, It's on other podcasting platforms. It's great. Um, I've been doing it for uh, a while, probably too long. We're heading towards uh, episode 200, which is wild to me. Um, but yeah, it's basically, I started it a while ago, it feels like a lifetime ago, and I talk about comics, I talk about film, TV, video games, the whole shebang, and if you are a fan of these fine folks here, Dallas, we did an episode together on Sweet Tooth, which I absolutely adore, Um, and for this specific episode, we're going to be joining up to talk about some super heavy uh yeah it's i talk about all kinds of stuff i just actually my most recent episode before this was a uh, top five guardians of the galaxy comics so check that out it was a really good episode eric has such a talent for pointing you in the right direction for comic books like i love all the geek explained episodes but every time it's a top five whatever of this character i like get the popcorn i get so excited for the new episode and this guardians of the galaxy episode is no exception. Like, if you like our show, absolutely go and listen to Geek Explained because it's the highlight of my Wednesday. And that's new comic book day. So that's already a pretty good day. Ugh. It's a good guy right there. Um, because we are recording a doubleheader, I'm going to make the executive decision to skip over the 10 comics to read this week. Um, go read some comics this week, folks. They're probably good. <laughs> probably maybe you, you get all of them and at least one you'll enjoy guarantee it. your favorite one fingers crossed i will retweet it for the 10 yeah there we go yeah tell, tell us what I, comics i you like, like that a lot yeah do our work for us please exactly <laughs> we're begging you and then next week you record the podcast and we'll retweet it <laughs> that's we'll actually that's that why eric's fun. here this week we're we're slowly leading up to that one of us is going to disappear next week and be replaced by someone else so that's that's what that's what I do the swap over with Alexis and I'm now Alexis. Exactly. Next week Evan replaces me and then after that I don't know Dallas who's replacing you? I'm irreplaceable baby. Lies, <laughs> but okay. If it makes I'm, you feel better, and I can I'm the one. I'm the one that uploads this on Anchor. Nobody can replace yeah. me. <laughs> no. That's no. true. He is the one that edits literally everything. Yep. We'll that's... keep going for that, but. Uh, frankly, Susan the cat could replace me. Um, should we do our end script, everybody? Get out of this yes. popsicle stand. I, a long time. I know. Mm-hmm. Alexis is rusty. All right. Mm. I, I'm going to do the Lexi part as she pulls it up. If you liked the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective. Or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Taylor underscore one, two, three. 
quick shout out. It's Lexi's birthday month. So everybody send so much love as she turns the big 2-1 on November 30th. Literally so we got to celebrate her all month long. It's true. It's true. Um, and if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show. Since nobody does that these days, <laughs> I want one. Somebody better go tell me happy yeah. birthday in the five-star comments. Five-star happy birthday. Do yep. it. Yep. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for our episode. Episode. Nice. Woo-hoo. I added an extra letter nice. in there. Our episode on Far Sector Woo! by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. Yeah. And one of us gets to talk about the sit down that she had with N.K. Jemison. So mm. that will also be fun. It's going to be so, so cool. cool. It's going to be a good episode. So make sure to tune in next week. And again, here at the end of the show, hop on over to Geeksplained and hear us continue this conversation about Super Heavy. <laughs> but seriously, though, you better listen to that episode next week. Far Sector is freaking Far Sector is great. All right. Thank you, everybody. See ya. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.